0: causes. And sin has a greater reach than is believed. Uh, And many times a greater reach than is even noticed or realized. And the price is high and the consequences reach farther than we would like to admit or realize. Jonah chapter number one, we'll start there in verse number one. The Bible says, now the word of the Lord came unto Jonah, the son of Amittai, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and cry against it, for their wickedness is come up before me. But Jonah rose up to flee unto Tarshish from the presence of the Lord, and went down to Joppa. And he found a ship going to Tarshish, so he paid the fare thereof, and went down into it to go with them unto Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. But the Lord sent out a great wind into the sea, and there was a mighty tempest in the sea, so that the ship was like to be broken. When the mariners were afraid, excuse me, then the mariners were afraid, and cried every man unto his God, and cast forth the wares that were in the ship into the sea, to lighten it of them. But Jonah was gone down into the sides of the ship, and he lay and was fast asleep. So the shipmaster came to him and said unto him, What meanest thou, O sleeper? Arise, call upon thy God. If so be that God will think upon us that we perish not. And Let's stop right there and let's pray. Father, we thank you. For your goodness to us thank you father for your many blessings in our life god thank you for the privilege that we have to be in your house and god i pray that you would use me this morning i pray father that you would speak through me and god as we look at the effects of life of sin in the life of jonah and we see uh the disturbance that really it call, caused and and the effects that it had on on more than just jonah's life god i pray that you would help us to reflect and understand and realize the serious consequences of sin. And God, I pray that you would help us to, uh, to have us motivated to live right, to do right, and to choose right choices in our life. And Father, we'll thank you for that. And God, will be careful to give you the honor and glory for all that's said and done. In Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen. As we look at these couple of verses, uh, we do want to see the effects and the the disturbances of sin. I don't know if you've ever uh, if you've ever gone to a a lake and I've spent a lot of time. I grew up around lakes and my grandmother lived on a lake for many years. And and so I spent a lot of time around a lake. And and there to me, there is nothing uh, more beautiful and serene than just a lake that is just crystal clear. I mean, it's just, uh, there's not a wave, there's not a ripple, it's like a glass top. It's just beautiful to, to see that and to picture that. And, and there's many times I've seen that, and I, I, I kind of like a little bit of fishing, and, and, uh, and so I like to see that, then I like to see that fish come out and jump, and, and then just, you know, and it just ripples, it kind of affects the whole lake. And it's amazing, you know, if, if it's a glass top, and you just take a, a stone, a little stone, and you throw it in. And, uh, and that ripple just goes, and it goes, I mean, for a long time. And you're really quite amazed at how far that ripple can really reach. And as we think about Jonah and his sin and what took place, John Butler said it this way, one stone of rebellion cast into the sea of humanity sends its waves to the farthest shores. Well, there's a lot of truth in that. And so many times we, uh, so many times the, the lie of the devil is this: that hey, you know, oh, it's just a little a little thing. Oh, it's just something small. It, it won't really bother anybody. It won't be a problem. And 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 the lie of the devil is that eh, I won't affect anyone else. And that, can I tell you this morning that that is never true? Our life always affects other people. We do not live in an isolated island. We do not live in an isolated zone. Our life always has an effect on other people. And we can see that so clearly in this passage. And if you think about our society, an impaired driver, whether drugs or alcohol, can leave a cruel scar on many families the lawlessness of just one citizen can burden a society with millions of dollars of expenses the greed of achan in the bible uh cost the lives of many people soldiers who went to battle and lost the battle and then the family that was uh that was that was uh Punished as a result of aching sin. And so we see that sin always has a far-reaching effect no matter how small. Uh, look at the cost of the medical care that is completely burdened down by sin. Think about our, the medical uh, framework of our country, if I can say it that way, and how it becomes so burdened. Imagine, imagine a hospital that didn't have any drug overdoses, nobody that was shot because of crime or, or uh, other effects of sin, uh, people that, that uh, maybe were drunk driving or uh, even impaired because of drugs and alcohol and and how many beds and how many places in the hospital that takes up. And I'm just saying it takes a toll on a society in general, because the effects of sin that people say, oh, it's just no, it's just going to affect me. No, it won't affect. It will affect more than just you. And so we need to understand that and realize that. And uh, we often see that the immediate price of sin, uh, we often see the immediate price of sin, but we do not see the bills that continue to flow in from the effects of sin that are a long-term, uh, long-term effect of the sins in our life. And so as we look at Jonah, uh, we want to see the disturbance that was caused by his disobedience. Uh, God had given him a direct command and told him what to do, and Jonah refused. And I want you to notice there in verse number, uh, verse number 4, the Bible says, But the Lord sent out a great wind into the sea. And the first one that was disturbed by Jonah's disobedience was the Lord Jesus Christ. And God is concerned about our actions. So many times we tend to remove God from our life. After all, we cannot see God. And after all, uh, we cannot touch God. He's not somebody uh, that is palpable. He's not somebody visible. And so it's easier for us to live our life uh, without recognizing that God is there. And that God is aware of our every decision and our every move in our life. And listen, God is—that uh, goes both ways. Uh, that is not not just a one-way thing. Uh, God God is pleased with our life when we live right. Uh, think about that, because so many times, uh, let me just say this really quick, and we'll jump back to the to our life pleases God. So many times we tend to put to to think of God as sitting in heaven, just waiting for, uh, for us to mess up so He can zap us. You ever, you ever been around somebody and, and you're standing in church and, and, uh, and then they, they, they say something and everyone just steps away like, you know, we're standing in church, you know, and the lightning's going to fall right now and I don't want to be close enough that I get hit by the fallout from that. And we tend to think that way of God. And don't get me wrong. God does judge sin, and but that's not uh, that's an incomplete picture of God, and that's an inaccurate description of God because God does love us, and He cares about our correct actions. Think about this in Hebrews chapter number eleven. Uh, you can turn there if you'd like, but save your spot there in Jonah because I know I, I, sometimes I have difficulty coming across Jonah. So uh, put uh, put something there, and and that way you can get back there. But in Hebrews chapter number eleven. In verse number 5, the Bible talks about uh, Enoch. Of course, this is a chapter of the hall of faith and, uh, and the people who were living right and doing right. Hebrews chapter number 11 and verse number 5. And I just want you to see this verse. The Bible says in Hebrews eleven five, By faith, Enoch was translated that he should not see death and was not found because God had translated him. For before his translation, he had this testimony that he pleased God. It goes on in verse number 6 and says, But without faith it is impossible to please him, for he that cometh to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. And so there's no doubt that God is pleased with our life when we're living for him and when we're following him. Uh, Imagine uh, Enoch's life. And Enoch had such a sweet relationship with God and he would walk with God on a daily basis and he would commune with God on a regular basis. And it was so pleasing to God that God said, you know what, I I don't want you down there on earth anymore, man. I want you right up here with me. And the Bible says he tra- what's that mean he took him he, he it means that Enoch did not die, but God physically pulled him right out of the world. What an incredible testimony, and what that tells me is hey God is interested in our action God is interested in us doing right. God is pleased when we do right, when we walk with him, when we obey his word and when we do what he would like us to do so so we don't need to just only com- uh, uh focus on what God, on the negative things, God as well is pleased with our life when we live right and do right. So we can see that as well. But I do want us to understand and recognize that, hey, God sees the wickedness as well. Sometimes we just, uh, we'll go through our life ignorantly and think, well, God doesn't recognize it or God doesn't see it or God doesn't know what's going on. No, God does know what's going on and God is disturbed as the Bible shows here in Jonah 1.4, but the Lord sent out a great wind into the sea. The Lord was grieved by Jonah's sin. Imagine, uh, imagine I just can't even fathom how grieved the Lord is by the sins of the world. I, I just I can't even begin to fathom that. To be honest with you, the Bible says in Genesis six five. You don't have to turn there, but but this shows the heart of God and how much sin grieved Him in Genesis chapter six and verse number five. And God saw the wickedness of man was great in the earth, and every imagination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. And it repented the Lord that he had made man on the earth, and it grieved him at his heart. That's Genesis 6, 5 and 6. And And that took place just before the the verse following says, but Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. And that was just before the Lord flooded the entire earth, and he promised he would not do it again. And it's a good thing that he did because, I don't know, uh, we might be in a boat right now. And, uh, and we might be traveling down to uh, Kentucky, and, and they got one already built down there, so we'll just kind of patch it out and finish it out. And, and, and if God had not promised to not flood the earth, I'm telling you, there is a lot of wickedness in the heart or in the world today. And I can't imagine the grief that, that goes into the heart of God. Listen, our sins grieve God. Jonah's sins grieved God sin grieves god and it doesn't matter large or small uh it is a grief to god and it ought to uh we ought to understand and realize that 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 is important to god and i need to say this right about here as well that uh our works cannot save us okay we're not talking about a works based Salvation or losing our salvation because of works. We're not talking about salvation. We're talking about uh, God being grieved or God being pleased with our life. It, It has nothing to do, it is independent of salvation. The Bible says in Titus 3, 5, not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but according to His mercy He saved us by the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Ghost. And so our salvation is based upon works, but yet, uh, but yet our life can grieve God by not living right. And so I want us to understand that our salvation is, is clearly not by works. Okay, We're not talking about salvation in this passage. And I want us to understand that so that we don't get uh, confused or uh, so that it's clear. But I want you to notice as well that God desires obedience. Uh, and he nudges it. Sometimes we say, well, God just wants to judge and God just wants to uh, send down uh, uh, the 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 wind and the storm and the life of Jonah. That's not true. Go with me again to Hebrews chapter number 12. And I, I want you to see this passage. I believe it, it is important for us to look at this. Hebrews chapter number 12 and verse number 6. And it's kind of a lengthy passage, but I'm going to read it. I won't spend a lot of time commenting on it. But I do want us to understand that God is not just waiting for us to mess up so He can zap us and so that He can punish us, but rather He desires to correct His children. He desires to bring about obedience. The Bible says here in Hebrews chapter 12, and verse number 6, For whom the Lord loveth, He chasteneth and scourgeth every son whom he receiveth. If ye endure chastening, God dealeth with you as with sons. For what son is he whom the Father chasteneth not? But if ye be without chastisement, whereof all are partakers, then are ye bastards, and not sons. Furthermore, we have had fathers of our flesh which corrected us, and we gave them reverence. Shall we not much rather be in subjection unto the Father of spirits and live? For they verily for a few days chastened us after their own pleasure, but he of our prophet, that we might be partakers of his holiness. Now no, now no chastening for the present seemeth to be joyous, but grievous. Nevertheless, afterward it yieldeth the peaceable fruit of righteousness unto them which are exercised thereby. And so this passage very clearly defines for us that, that A, if you're a child of God, that God loves you and God is going to correct you in your life. He's going to send chastisement. And, and he does it not because he enjoys punishing you, not because he wants to just uh, send that lot light of lightning, but rather because he desires to steer your life back to the right path. He gives the example here that we had earthly fathers. And, uh, and by and large, I know there may be exceptions to every rule, but by and large, our earthly fathers uh, did not punish us because they enjoyed punishment. Now, as a child, you might have thought they enjoyed it. But the reality is, they were trying to steer your life to the best area. Turn it around. Now, many of you are parents, and you've had children. And and, uh, and I'll be honest with you, I didn't enjoy punishing my children. I did it. Not because it was enjoyable, but because I knew it was beneficial for them and it was the best thing that I could do to steer their life and direct them because I wanted them to do what was right. And so God treats us the same way, and we see that in the book of Jonah, that as Jonah is fleeing from God disobediently, that God is disturbed, and God uh, sends that storm, and He causes because He desires to steer Jonah in the right direction in his life. And so our, our sins uh, certainly disturb uh, God, the first and foremost thing. The second thing I want you to notice that was disturbed is not only uh, we have sovereign there so that it starts with an S, because we've got to alliterate everything, but uh, not just that, that God was disturbed, but I want you to notice as well in verse number four, it says, But the Lord sent out a great wind into the sea, and there was a mighty tempest in the sea, so that the ship was like to be broken. Not only was the sovereign disturbed, but the sea was disturbed. You know it's kind of a funny thing, but in reality, our world is affected by sin you know i I don't know what it was like to live in the Garden of Eden, obviously, but the Bible says that that by the sweat of the brow as a curse for the sin, by the sweat of the brow, by the work of the hands uh, that 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 man would labor in that garden and make his living and and be able to have food. I don't think uh, before the curse that there were thorns and thistles and weeds existed. Do you realize that that took a toll on the earth? That was something uh, that that came about as a result of sin, and it's a natural thing uh, that is here in this world now we couldn't imagine a world without weeds and without thistles and without thorns. I would love to have a world without thistles thorns and and weeds but uh, but we don't have that and uh, and so obviously the effects of uh, even nature is affected by our sin. Here we have the sea was affected by Jonah's disobedience to run from God. The Bible says this in Isaiah 57, 20, and it's giving us an illustration, but how true it is. But the wicked are like the troubled sea when it cannot rest, whose waters cast up mire and dirt. There is no peace, saith my God, to the wicked. And I know that's using that as an illustration, but certainly we could find time and time again in the Bible where where storms and, and other things are a result of sin. And the surroundings around Jonah were affected because of that sin. I don't know. I know this. God could do it. God could send a storm that centered in right on that ship. And, and if they would have gone, you know, just a little ways the other way, uh, they would have been out of the storm, but I think God would have moved it because he was controlling everything, and, and he sent that storm on purpose to that area. So I, I do know this, that the area around jo- Jonah was affected because of his sin. It was disturbed. And listen, the Bible says there in verse number 4, but the Lord sent out a great wind. It's God that's in control. Listen, the news and the media and schools and everything else would have you to believe that man is in control of what is going on in the skies and in the oceans and global warming. They will tell you it's our fault and that we need to control it. Listen, the Bible paints a whole nother picture that we as man are not in control of our environment. God's in control of that. And God is the one that stirs up the storms. And uh, and it's man constantly wanting to get out from under the thumb of God and the belief of God that says, well, you know, all these problems are our own problem that we created. Because in their mind, they dismiss God and they do not want to believe there is a God because they don't want the authority of God looming over their head. So they dismiss all of that. But clearly in the Bible, the Bible says here that the Lord sent out a great wind. Can I tell you that there are many times in Scripture, there are many times in the Bible where God uses natural uh, storms, natural things that He caused, not man caused. And he does that many times to send a judgment on those that are around him. Uh, you could name many examples in Scripture. Uh, think of this. Think of the ten plagues that took place in, in Egypt. Hey, the locusts that came, the lice, the frogs. Those were, if I can say it this way, natural phenomena. The Egyptians probably thought, well, you know, we didn't take care of our environment, and uh, we cut down too many trees, and that's why we have all this problem. Because they were dismissing God from the picture. They did not want to believe that God was in charge. But this we can we know from scripture, God sent those frogs in. God sent that lice in. God sent all those problems. God sent the hail. God sent the, the wind that, that took the locusts away and brought them. In and all of those things and you can go back and read it and find out oh god is in control of all the things that are going on not only that but the red sea that parted listen the bible says that there was a great wind that came and parted that red sea how'd that come about it was god You could go on and on. You can say uh, we, we referenced it earlier, the worldwide flood. Man wants to dismiss that. Many of them say it never happened. But I'm telling you, the Word of God says it happened and it did happen and it was a result of sin that God brought judgment on this world. So I'm just telling you, there is example after example. You can go on about famines and droughts and you can see times where God brought droughts in the nation of Israel. When Elijah went to Ahab and he said, hey, it's not going to Rain until I say so. God brings that about. And God is in control of all that weather. And so we see that the sea was disturbed by the sin of Jonah. Not only the sovereign and the sea, but I want you to notice as well that the ship was disturbed. Look there in verse number four, the last part. The Bible says, So that the ship was like to be broken. You know, one disturbance leads to another. And the fact that God the sovereign was disturbed and, and God sent the storm to the sea, and, and of course that took an effect on, on the ship that Jonah was on. And it was, the Bible says, was like to be broken up. Now, I don't know, I would imagine that this ship was a strong ship. I don't know if you've been around boats. I, I uh, the Lord has given me the opportunity to be around some. I, I, I grew up on lakes, and so that's a whole different ball game. But when you go to the sea, man, you are talking a whole new level of of boats. And uh, I, I, we went down to, we lived in Sicily for a while. We were around the docks, and and I was amazed. Some of the fishing vessels, they were very small. And, uh, and they were only made really to go a few miles out. You would not want to venture more than you know, 10, 15, I don't know the distance they would go, but, uh, but 10, 15 miles from land because the, the boat is just not equipped to be out on open ocean and, and handle it. It's a small vessel. It's large. It was large to me, but it was a small fishing vessel. But when you stack that beside a ocean liner that is designed to be out in the ocean, man, there's a vast difference between the two. And we're not talking about a little motorboat that I grew up with, much less a canoe. Okay, those are those aren't even in the same class. I mean, they don't even fit. And, and so you're talking about a large vessel. And I'm sure that this vessel was made as a seafaring vessel that would go from uh, from one point and cross the, the, the Mediterranean Sea there and go all the way over to Tarshish. So it was a ship that was designed to be in that kind of sea. We're not talking about a small fishing vessel. We're not talking about a motorboat. But we're talking about a ship that was designed and made for travel like this. And the Bible says that it was completely tossed like a, a, a toy in the sea. And it was like to be broken, the Bible says. And so we find that uh, this ship was very disturbed. And, and listen, sin has a destructive power, and that ship was tossed in the sea. I've mentioned it many times, and I firmly believe it, that, uh, and I know in Scripture we could go back and find uh, evidence of it, that, that God is able to protect and prolong the use of things uh, that, that we own. Um, I, I've often said that for the vehicles that I've owned, that, that God... Uh, miraculously keeps them going and keeps things running and keeps things moving uh, far beyond what, what many times the world would, would expect or, or see. And, and I'm not saying that's always the case. And I'm not saying that, uh, that I would never have a breakdown or anything of that nature. I'm just saying that God sometimes will prolong the use of things. And we know that. Uh, you go back to the passage when the nation of Israel wandered in the wilderness for 40 years. And the Bible says that their shoes did not wear out for 40 years imagine that I know some of you you, you ladies here like one pair of shoes for 40 years I'm just saying I know the Bible says it their clothes did not wax old they did not shrink And I'm just saying that God has a way of making things last longer. But can I tell you the same thing is true that sin has a way of wearing things out and destroying things. And this ship was tossed about in the sea and I'm just saying, I'm just mentioning that, that the ship was disturbed because of the sin and this storm came as a result of the sin and we see that it caused an effect on the sea, it caused an effect on the, on the ship. Not only that, but I want you to notice as well there that it, it caused a, a, a distress on the sailors that were there in that ship. Bible says there in verse 5, then the mariners were afraid and cried every man unto his God, cast forth the wares that were and cast forth the wares that were in the ship into the sea to lighten it of them. But Jonah was gone down into the sides of the ship and lay and was fast asleep. So the shipmaster came to him and said unto him, What meanest thou, O sleeper? Arise, call upon thy God, if so be, that God will think upon us that we perish not. These sailors... We see there in that last phrase of verse number six, they obviously thought that they were in great peril. I mean, they thought their life was on the line. Now these were, I'm sure, experienced sailors. They had been through a storm or two. But this storm was the storm that they said, hey, these are the ones that we heard about. This is the, you know, the vessel that sank in such and such a place. Uh, this is that kind of storm that, hey, we're going down and this does not look good. And they were in great peril. Why? Because of Jonah's sin. It goes back to Jonah running from God. It goes back to the storm that was sent because Jonah was running from God. And it put these seafaring sailors in a, in a great peril. And I want you to notice that their panic, it says there in verse number five, then the mariners were afraid. In other words, they're saying, man, we've got real problems. We, I, and, and I'm sure that they had, were experienced sailors, probably the majority of them. And, and they were saying, hey, uh, it struck fear into their hearts. Listen, they were concerned about it. And the Bible says there in verse number 5 that they began casting all the merchandise into the sea. Now you've got to imagine this is a a business boat. Their job is to take merchandise from Joppa over to Tarshish. And so they would load up and and bring merchandise from Tarshish back to Joppa. That's how they made money. They didn't just do this because it sounded like fun. This was their living. And so, for them to take and load that merchandise on the ship, uh, they would have all of those things, and that was not—that did not belong to the sailors. That belonged, maybe, to some passengers. Primarily, probably, to uh, to merchandise that was being moved from point A to point B and would be sold. And so, they were—they cons- were, they had uh, uh, invested concern for that merchandise that was on the ship they get over there and they turn around and they uh, distribute that merchandise and it's incomplete or it's missing guess what they didn't get a full paycheck and and so they were they had a vested interest in making sure that that merchandise made it from point a to point b but these people had such problems that they said forget the merchandise it's no longer about the money hey, our soul and our life is far more important. And they, they were so panicked and they were so concerned that they said, we don't care any longer about the merchandise that's gone. I don't know if you saw it in the news, but I saw it uh, maybe a month ago or so that a, a ocean liner was uh, on fire. And I told my wife, I said, man, let's... And it was full of cars. I told my wife, I said, let's go put that fire out and get us a car and uh and and uh she wasn't much on board for that so we didn't go but um probably to the better but uh but I saw then it was several weeks later that that ocean liner sank to the bottom of the sea I thought and then I started reading there was BMWs on there there was these were all new merchandise they were shipping from from Europe over I I'm assuming to the US I don't know where their destination was and it sank, and I thought, wow, what an economic loss they suffered. Those companies suffered. Somebody paid for it. I didn't. Somebody paid for it. And, and, and they lost, and it was a great economic loss. I don't know what the value of the merchandise these sailors were, but, man, they were unloading it, and they were throwing it overboard because their fear was, hey, we are going to die. They were panic-stricken. Now, I want you to notice this. It says there in verse 5, I, I found this uh, interesting. It says there in verse 5, um, and in the, about the second phrase, And cried every man unto his God. Butler, John Butler points this out. He said, Sailors are not known to be men of prayers. They're usually known to be some rough characters, generally speaking. So you know when a sailor starts to pray, it's getting serious. And they were praying because they were concerned. The sailors were disturbed. The shipmaster was disturbed. The shipmaster comes to Jonah, and here's Jonah in the bottom of the ship sleeping, and, and he was disturbed. He, he's lost all his cargo that he's responsible for, and, and he gives him uh, a harsh message. Uh, he goes to Jonah there in verse number 6, and, and, uh, and, and I think the shipmaster would have been a great preacher because he was a straight shooter. He didn't mess around. He said, hey, oh sleeper, get up. What are you doing? Where our ship is is going down and you're down here sleeping and, and he had a harsh message to Jonah and he said, Hey, you need to you need to be concerned about this and, and not only that, but it was a humbling message. Here's the shipmaster coming to the prophet. We established a couple weeks ago that Jonah was indeed a prophet. Jonah should have been the first one on his knees. Jonah should have been the first one telling everyone else, Hey, pray for this situation. We got a problem. But Jonah was running from God and therefore was not. Not in a place to, uh, to cause everyone else to pray, and so we have a very humbling message, because here comes the shipmaster to Jonah the prophet, and says, "Hey, you ought to be praying and calling upon your God." And the shipmaster was disturbed. Listen, sin has a far reach. Lastly, we see the sleeper was disturbed Jonah. Was jolted awake. You ever been jolted awake? And, and and it's like, wow, you just wake up and you're like, wow, this was that point in Jonah's life. That shipmaster, I don't know. I don't know how Jonah was sleeping in that that ship. Maybe, I think sometimes when people get stressed, sometimes some people will just they close their eyes, close their mind, they shut down and they go to sleep. And that maybe that was Jonah. I don't know. Here's Jonah sleeping. Next thing he knows, man, there's a shipmaster yelling in his face. What are you doing? Get up, get up, start praying. Hey, we've got a problem. And, 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 And he's jolted awake into reality. Sin so many times will, will, will lull people into a sleep and, and they don't realize the cause and effect. Jonah didn't realize uh, that, that all of this was his fault. Jonah didn't realize that this ship was at the point of breaking apart and that they were throwing merchandise off the ship to keep it alive, and that the sailors were all scared, and there was a frenzy of activity on the deck because they were trying to lighten the load and trying to save the ship. And, and all the while, Jonah was just down in the bottom sleeping till he was jolted awake and made to realize, This, all of this, is your fault, Jonah. Now, that's not what the shipmaster said, but I know for a fact, I'm sure. That God smote Jonah's heart and said, "Hey, this is your problem, buddy. You caused all of this." And when we wake up from sin, many times we're jolted awake to realize, "Wow, we've caused quite a problem." When we didn't realize, Jonah didn't intend. Jonah, Jonah, when he got on, when he bought that ticket and got on that ship, his intention was not to. To, to cause that ship problems, to cause the sailors problems, to cause the shipmaster problems. His, his goal in his life was, man, I am not going to, to, to Nineveh. I'm running the other way. But look at all the disturbance that it caused. Look at all the problems that came about. Look at all the lives that were affected by Jonah's disobedience to God. And may we be ever so aware that our sin and that our life Affects other people. That way we be conscientious of our sin and be careful that we would live a right life knowing that, hey, our life affects other people with every head bowed and every eye closed as we stand to our feet. Father, we thank you for the life of Jonah, his duty that he was to go to the lost and dying city of Nineveh that was soon to be judged because of their wickedness his disobedience that he ran, and God, the disturbance that it caused in the sea, the ship, the people that were around him, and how it even grieved you, God. God, may we be ever so conscientious of our own lives and our own sin. May we be careful to not grieve you and cause problems to those around us. God, I pray that you would help us. I pray that you would cause us to to live right, cause us to choose right decisions in our life. And, God, I pray that we would be ever so um, conscientious to you that it would cause us to live right. God, I thank you for each and every person that's here this morning. I pray that you would touch their heart, encourage them, strengthen them as they live their daily life to follow you. God, we'll thank you for that. In Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen as the piano begins.